Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. I think it's safe to say an engagement ring is the most expensive piece of jewelry many of us will ever buy, Mike. And there's the old adage that a ring should cost three months salary. And I have to be honest, when my wife and I got engaged three years ago, I did not follow that rule. Tight wad. I'd assume she knows, but just in case, don't tell her. Casey, I think I did follow that three-month rule, but given what I was making back then, that probably wasn't a lot of money. Just given those stories, I think it's safe to say that neither of us will be purchasing the necklace made with lunar material that just sold for $200,000. I suspect in 10 years from now, that might get a million dollars because... Lunar material is really rare. There are very, very few institutions around the world that have any. And our museum has more than half, as far as we know, of all the lunar meteorites. So we were able to take small pieces and fashion them into jewelry. From 200000 to a million. I hope that appreciation doesn't reflect the rate of inflation over the next 10 years. Well, luckily, there's a really easy way to pay for its value now. All you have to do is find eight pieces of space rocks and bring them to the Maine Mineral and Gem Museum in Bethel, Maine. They'll give you 25 grand a piece. That doesn't sound overly difficult. I'm exaggerating. They'll only pay you for one. The other 175 grand you'll need, you're on your own. Now, why are they offering money for space rocks in the first place? Well, this spring, a meteorite was seen over the Canadian province of New Brunswick, with much of the debris likely falling in Maine. It was pretty large by standards of meteorites because it was seen during the day. It was a bright flash and there was a moving shadow across the earth. So if this had happened at night, it would have lit up the sky. So this was a fairly large meteorite that hit the atmosphere. That's Larry Stifler. He's the founder of the Maine Mineral and Gem Museum in Bethel, Maine. Our museum has probably the rarest collection of meteorites in the world in this little town in western Maine. One of the reasons we've had worldwide publicity is, for example, we have more than half of all the known lunar meteorites in the entire world are in this little museum. We have the largest, we think, display of Mars meteorites and uh, lots of other things. Mike, he's doing a good job of selling me on making a trip to New England. That's one of our producers, Chris Blake. I'm Mike Rogers. We are in Texas in July, so Maine sounds pretty good right about now. This is Something Off Beats. All right, where did this meteorite that left a debris field in Maine come from? Uh, Any meteorite in general. There are only three uh, bodies in space that we know that meteorites come from. That's the moon, Mars and Vesta. Vesta is the second largest of the asteroids, and the U.S. sent a mission probe around it for about a year, Dawn, and we do, because of that, we know what the geology of Vesta is. So we can identify specific sources only from uh, those three. Otherwise, we really don't know where any of these meteorites come from. And I guess we won't know which of the three it came from until we can get a sample. Exactly. 
when meteorites hit the Earth, how much ground could the pieces of rock cover? I mean, what size area are we talking about? This is northern Maine, so pretty much in the middle of uh, nowhere. Uh, apparently, a lot of people went up there. We had reports that uh, their people were camping up there, were trying to drive on uh, back roads to find this. The chances of someone who's not knowledgeable finding a meteorite out there is pretty uh, rare. Our producer, Chris, he mentioned that a $25,000 reward in exchange for the return of a piece of the meteorite. But why the reward? Why did you guys decide that this was necessary in the first place? When a meteorite is actually seen coming down and is found, that's quite rare. Most meteorites are are never actually seen and then uh, found. Plus, it's in our backyard. There are only a few small samples of meteorites that have ever been found and identified in Maine. So the opportunity to get a probably which would have been the is the largest meteorite that could have been found that actually landed in Maine was really of interest to us. So to actually have a fall that's actually seen in our home state, we were really eager to uh, get a piece of this. And we know of other people who are going to go back up there and continue to look for this. In reality, though, what are the chances that anyone's going to find it? It's pretty slim that you're going to have to pay that money. Well, you and me, something between zero and one percent, closer to zero. But experts with equipment, I'd say there's a reasonable chance that if people who are expert at this and have the right equipment and spend enough time there, they could very well find this. The odds are not totally against them. I'm assuming no one has found anything yet. That is uh, correct, or not to our knowledge. And we'll we'll give a reward regardless of the size. If this is bigger than a kilo or smaller, we will pay people accordingly to get this for our museum. So the opportunity to get something from our own backyard is, uh, we hope somebody finds it. We are eager to pay this reward. You know, Chris, we've talked on this podcast about the odds of getting struck by lightning. But what about getting hit by a meteorite? That's even more rare, which I guess shouldn't be hard to believe. According to the National Weather Service, we have a roughly 1 in 15,000 chance of getting struck by lightning in our lifetimes. The odds of being hit by a meteor vary wildly depending on the source from my Google search, but it's 1 in 1.6 million if you go with National Geographic. The odds of a meteorite striking an object, though, are a little bit higher. It's interesting you should say that, because I actually saw one of those objects, a red 1980 Chevy Malibu. It got hit by a meteorite in Peekskill, New York, back in 1992. The car is actually owned by our curator of meteorites, Daryl Pitt, and he was responsible for getting us a piece that actually hit the car and broke the taillight. He got us the taillight. He got us the owner's title to the car. Everything but the car itself. Chris, I saw that car, believe it or not, at the Natural History Museum in Paris. They had a big meteorite display going on while we were there, and we were able to conduct a close-up examination of the car. And that rock, I'm telling you, it just barely hit the back corner on the passenger side, but it did a lot of damage. And it wasn't still glowing or anything, was it? There was no, no glowing, not at all, but a big hole in the back of that car. Put it this way, it was undrivable.
Larry, are there any cases of a person being hit by a meteorite? Well, directly, we don't know of any people who have been hit. There was a ricochet in the uh, woman in the United States that had bounced off like the uh, piece of the furniture and uh, burned her leg. And there's unsubstantiated reports from history that people were hit, but we don't know of a real case. We do have a meteorite from Venezuela that did kill a cow. And that's the only documented case of a living creature being killed by a meteorite. They found the dead cow with a rock lying next to it. And uh, we have that. And kids sometimes say, what happened to the cow? And I think he became a good uh, barbecue specimen the next day. Now, I wonder if jewelry fashioned from space rocks can reach six figures in price. Think about the cost of a pound of extraterrestrial brisket. How often do meteorites strike the Earth? How many times in a given year does that happen? Oh, thousands of times, but almost all of them burn up in the atmosphere or land in places. For example, 70% will never be seen because they land in water. 70% of the earth is water. So they're gone and they land in forests or uninhabited areas and no one will ever find them unless experts come along with equipment and can identify them. And a lot of it, most of it is just tons of dust. Because a lot of this material left over from comets or explodes up in the atmosphere, turns into dust and just floats down. Matter of fact, you can go to a, your drain pipe down where you are. And if you have the right equipment and sift through it, you might find some meteorite dust in your drain pipe. Well, would that be good enough to claim the 25000 Probably not, but it's good enough to get students interested. We have students in a lot of places that do this as a group, as a science experiment for their class. Larry, you got to get out there and keep looking. Maybe you can claim the money. I'm Mike Rogers, and as always, thanks for listening to Something Offbeat. This episode written and produced by Lauren Barry and Chris Blake. Audio editing and original music by Myron Kaplan. Editorial support from Cooper Mall. To keep listening, subscribe to us on the Odyssey app or Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got your own offbeat story that you think we should cover, we'd love to hear about it. Send it to us at somethingoffbeat at odyssey. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y dot com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.